You're listening to College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Welcome to College Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Boost Mobile, where you never need a service contract and every plan comes with your own mobile hotspot and 99% nationwide coverage. Buy summer skates, personalized shower shoes or koozies for yourself or the entire team. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and order yours today. Buy OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products. It's the funk out of your equipment or office. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Whether it's the Jive Chicken Sandwich or the Double Brisket, we are the best in barbecue Las Vegas style. Buy M-Drive. You're not too old. Go to mdriveformen.com for all of your men's health needs, from multivitamins to workout recovery. M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. UNLV Hockey. Play ACHA Division One in Hockey Mad Las Vegas. By Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com. No one knows goalie and their equipment better than we do. Caesars Resorts and Casinos. An iconic vacation awaits you no matter which Caesars Resort. You make your destination. And by the NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to watch all of the action of the league's eight teams, home of College Hockey Champions. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the Ice Time HockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, anywhere that you may be listening to us tonight. This is College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona tonight. Uh, my normal co-host, taking the night off, a well-deserved night off, Paul Hornstein, uh, taking his son to see Jimmy Buffett tonight out on Long Island in New York. So uh, we're glad Paul could take the night off. So looking for a co-host, I said, what am I going to do? I'm going to reach out to the best conference in college hockey and grab their director of communications and I'm going to give him little notice so he can't say no. He doesn't realize what he's getting into. But Michael Weissman is with us tonight. Michael, welcome back to the show. Um, thank you, first of all, and how are you? Well, thanks for having me, Scott. It's uh, great to be with you, and hopefully I can uh, fill Paul's shoes uh, adamantly while he's uh, enjoying his cheeseburger in paradise there. But uh, I'm doing well. Uh, we're gearing up for the hockey season. Uh, I'm excited to talk some NCHC hockey with you. Boy, and we are getting closer and closer. And as we jump into that, I'm going to say right off the get-go that uh, I always commend you guys as not only being the best college hockey conference in the country, but uh, I just love the fact that you guys are able to put out your your schedule, your composite schedule for the league anyway, nice and early so that guys like me can start to plan where we're going to be, what we're going to be doing, how we're going to get to all the places we want to be. And I know COVID was tough, but uh, it doesn't look like it slowed you guys down at all. Well, we're excited uh, to hopefully have somewhat of a more normal season than we did last year. You know, we, we've historically always put out our conference schedule shortly after the previous season's Frozen Four uh, in kind of late April. And, and when we did that in, in 2020, it obviously uh, backfired on us a little bit. So uh, we're hoping that the schedule we put out this past April actually holds true. And hopefully some of the trips you've planned will uh, you'll actually be able to attend and, and stick to, to the schedule that we've put out. 
Okay, so where do we start in all of this? Uh, you and I have talked to several different times after uh, the start of uh, the COVID era, if we will, and uh, we found out that you guys had a, a great plan in, in going to the the pod and uh, working your way through that and um, getting the games in and getting played and and then actually sending some teams to the, the national tournament. So let's kind of recap last year, Michael, if we can. Um, talk about the overall success of, of your conference again. Yeah, we were really uh, pleased with, with, you know, all things considered, considering we we're playing in a pandemic, we were pleased with, with what we were able to accomplish last season. And given the uniqueness of the season, we felt we thought, you know, a little outside the box and really made a commitment to, to uh, giving our student athletes the experience of, of playing hockey games, which is ultimately what they wanted to do. You know, unfortunately, we couldn't have fans. And as you kind of alluded to, the first uh, three weeks of the season, which didn't start until December, so about two months after it normally would start. Uh, but the first three weeks of, of our season was held in what we called a pod or essentially a bubble in, in Baxter Arena uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, which is the University of Nebraska, Omaha, one of our members uh, host arena there or on-campus arena. Um, and so all eight of our teams came to Omaha the first three weeks of December, and uh, we played 38 games in 21 days uh, with some triple headers and double headers. And then occasionally uh, we had a single game uh, a couple nights and we took Mondays off. So we did have a couple off days, but otherwise Tuesday through Sunday, it was kind of hockey all day, every day, which I know our fans enjoyed watching on NCHD TV and following along on our social channels. And um, it was, it was definitely a unique experience. Uh, you know, speaking of myself, living in a hotel for three and a half weeks was, was something I'd never done before. <laughs> and, uh, you know, getting a, a nasal a swab stuck up your nose every other day was, was something that was unique. Um, uh, but I guess you got used to over time and, um, you know, getting care packages from friends and family was kind of fun. And I think some of the student athletes, uh, kind of experienced some of those th same things. And, um, I know some of the teams had like ping pong tables or pool tables or other things in their hotel to kind of give them things to do. But, but all teams were uh, more or less quarantined to their hotel and, and the rink and the rink was within walking distance of all of the hotels that were used by our teams. So there was a lot of planning that went into it, a lot of logistics. Um, University of Nebraska Omaha athletic staff was great to work with. Um, Trev Alberts, who was the athletic director and recently just left to go to the University of Nebraska, um, his, he and his staff were, were great hosts. Uh, Mike Kemp, who's now the interim AD and uh, kind of oversees Baxter Arena there in Omaha, did a phenomenal job getting locker rooms ready to go to host eight different teams, uh, you know, planning out schedules for practice times on their practice rink in addition to the game schedule on the main rink. Um, you know, not to mention all the COVID testing logistics and the medical side of things. So um, it was a lot of work to get to where we got to, but uh, ultimately it, it paid off. Um, you know, we didn't have any active uh, positive cases while we, we were in there with in terms of student athletes or, or uh, team staff or conference staff. So, um, you know, th that was a great success and something that uh, I think we can be proud of and no one else accomplished or no one else even really tried uh, in terms of college athletics from a conference standpoint. And then the second half of the season, you know, we knew there could be some bumps as we returned to somewhat of a normal travel where teams were going from, you know, their host city to a, to a visiting team like they normally would. Um, and we did have some, you know, postponements throughout, whether teams um, had COVID issues or, or whatnot. Um, but we had built the schedule to where we had built in some, some planned bye weeks that allowed us to move games back. Uh, and ultimately we got in um, all but two of our games throughout the regular season, 94 of our 96 uh, planned games and in, in the last two games uh, there were some COVID issues with both CC and Denver and uh, we were just out of time to make up those games so um, but yeah really pleased with with kind of our thought process and how we la play, laid it out 
Um, and then ultimately, we, we also uh, transitioned our frozen face-off, which would normally be at Excel Energy Center uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, to host our crown our champion in our tournament. Uh, we pivoted and moved that to Grand Forks, where the University of North Dakota is, and made it a single elimination tournament uh, with all eight teams coming to town uh, and held it over, uh, well, I guess it was five days. We had the quarterfinals, two, two quarterfinals on one day, two on the next day then a break and then the semifinals and championship the next two days. And uh, we were able to have some fans there, which was, was nice. Um, I think for the atmosphere uh, and for the conference from a, from a budget standpoint. So um, all all in all, it was, you know, all things considered, we we were very pleased with how things turned out. And and as you mentioned, we did put, um, excuse me, four teams in the NCAA tournament uh, with, with St. Cloud and Minnesota Duluth going on to the frozen four and, and St. Cloud coming up just short of our fifth straight. Uh, national championships. So yeah, quite a season, Uh, you know, a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns. Hopefully this season will be uh, quite a bit smoother. Yeah, I think we all hope for that. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the the excellence of NCHC hockey. And I'm going to go right to the, uh, the teams that you sent to the, uh, the national tournament and ultimately a couple to the frozen four, but one of the teams that was eliminated, uh, and you know who I'm talking about, the number one uh, ranked uh, North Dakota Fighting Hawks and the m- multiple overtime game against Minnesota Duluth. Um, a couple of things. Number one, I was impressed with the the composure by, by both teams and, and coaches because I can't even imagine um, how you get through that big of an overtime thing and not lose focus. And uh, I don't think either team lost. I don't think anybody lost that game. I think Minnesota Duluth won it. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, quite an incredible game. Uh, you know, for me, I actually, being uh, living in Colorado Springs and Omaha, was playing up in Loveland, Colorado, up at the Budweiser Event Center. And so I actually drove up there to attend their game. And, of course, that was roughly the same time as the Minnesota Duluth-North Dakota game was going on. The North Dakota-Minnesota Duluth game started well before that Omaha game and was still going on long after that Omaha game had ended. (laughs) Um, So I was kind of all over the place. It was going on while I was driving up there. It was going on while I was at the arena uh, watching the Omaha game. And then, uh, of course, on my drive back to the hotel um, that night because it was pretty late at that point, um, the game-winning goal was scored. So I actually didn't even see the the game-winning goal scored live. But, yeah, I mean, you're 100% right. The, the, the level of the game that was played throughout the overtimes continued to be what I thought was a pretty high quality considering they were basically playing their third, you know, full-length game uh, in a row or starting to play their third full-length game in a row. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think anyone lost it. Um, you know, Minnesota just basically outlasted them. And, um, it, was, it was a shot, you know, right before that, I think North Dakota had some great chances, might have hit the crossbar if I recall. So, uh, you know, certainly could have gone either way. Both teams were very deserving. It's really a shame that that was a, a regional final and not a, a Frozen Four or even national championship game. Yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you, I, I don't think I've told you this story, but I was also at the West uh, Regionals in Loveland. And normally I drive everywhere, but I flew uh, out there because I thought it's close, right? <laughs> Have I told you this story yet or I, not? I don't, I don't think so, no. Okay. No. I, mean, so, I know I saw you at the regional there. But. Yeah. So I'm at the game, right? And uh, I had scheduled uh, a lift to, take, to pick me up and take me back to my hotel, which is about three miles away, I guess. Anybody that's been to Loveland, it's beautiful, but it was cold that night. And, <laughs> yep, and you don't yep. really want to be out in that if you can help it. Well, what ended up happening was I stayed till the end of the games and did a few uh, wrap-up things, and then I went out, and as I got uh, right down to the 
uh, the base of the arena, I checked my lift and, and the guy said, uh, or, or never answered me. He said it was canceled. So I tried to get another lift and Uber. There was nothing. Um, <laughs> and as I was doing that, I was walking out the doors, which locked me out from getting back inside. Oh, so now I'm outside, right? And I'm going like, now what am I going to do? I can't get a hold of anybody that's still at the arena that can give me a ride. So I'm thinking, okay, I, I looked at my Apple watch and it said I could walk there in an hour and 15 minutes to my, to my hotel. So I'm going like, okay, I can do this. So I, <laughs> I have my backpack on. I started walking from the Budweiser event center. Uh, I don't even know what that street is, but it, it was dark and it really dark. And I'm walking and uh, I call uh, my co-host on Wednesday nights because I knew he'd be up in Vegas. So I, I called him and I said, Hey, you know, can we just keep talking while I'm walking? Just, so I have somebody online with me. And right. He goes, sure. So so we're talking, and he's telling me about that game. And I'm going like, am I going to get back to the hotel to see the end of it? I didn't, to make a long story, story <laughs> short. But about three-quarters of the way into my walk, uh, uh, an off-duty uh, Uber driver came by and saw me walking. And he said, I saw the backpack, and I realized you couldn't be doing it on purpose. So he stopped and luckily gave me a ride. So I made a lifelong friend now, I think, in, in Colorado. But, uh, yeah, that's how I spent that game. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's quite a story. Yeah, I, would, I, I know what you're saying. It was pretty cold. I wouldn't really be walking that long. But, unfortunately, it sounds like we had the same fate in terms of not seeing the uh, ultimately exactly. 5 OT game-winning goal live. So we both missed out on that uh, experience. We, we certainly did. And then, of course, my co-host, Paul Hornstein, uh, let me know about it because uh, – me being a former bulldog, he had to let me know that the bulldogs had won and right. <laughs> all right. that good stuff. So had, had to rub it in a little bit, huh? Of course, you know he figures yeah. that's the way it's going to be. Okay, so let's let's transition from that into uh, talking about media day. It's getting close, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to believe. It seems like I was uh, just on vacation in early July, and here we are, almost into mid-August. And yeah, media day is. Set for uh, September 16th uh, up in Excel Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota, the same place we'll be holding our Frozen Faceoff tournament again uh, next March. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that. We've, we've held it there uh, in 2018 and 2019, and then unfortunately last year uh, with COVID and everything and us not really knowing what we were going to be doing with our season, we didn't hold an in-person media day. We just kind of did it over Zoom. But we're excited to be getting back up to uh, Excel. It's been uh, quite a while since we've been there, really, since – uh, the 2020 Frozen Faceoff was canceled. Really, the last time we were there was was our 2019 Media Day. So it's been almost two full years uh, since we really had an event. Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, up in St. Paul at, at uh, Excel Energy Center. So we're excited to to get back up there, see some people in person, have our media uh, come out, talk to our student athletes and coaches, and um, you know we we get a lot of content for ourselves. CBS Sports Network usually comes and does some features for their broadcasts that they show later in the season. So. Um, it's kind of a nice way to kick off the season and get everyone uh, kind of fired up for the upcoming year. And uh, this year, it's it's about a week earlier than we would normally have it, um, which will, I guess, kind of be nice for media to give them some extra time and, uh, to work on their, their content and preseason uh, needs. Well, count me in on that. If I've got an invite, I'm going to be there because anytime I can get a chance to get back and see my uh, 18-month-old grandson, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a better reason than even our media day, to be honest. But uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be sending out an invite or I'll be sending out an invite uh, sometime early next week. So uh, check your email and there'll be a registration link and everything. But ha happy to have you. And uh, if Paul or anyone else uh, from uh, Ice Time wants to come up, we'll be uh, happy to have them. 
Well, I don't know if you heard, but we added an addition too. We've got Joe Paisley on board to do uh, Colorado coverage for us on and off during the season. So Joe has a full-time job, but he reached out to me and said, hey, uh, if you ever need anybody to uh, cover Colorado stuff, I said, hey, absolutely. The more the merrier. And anybody that knows Joe's work knows he's first class. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think I, now that you mentioned that, I do remember seeing that. So yeah, that was, that was great news. Uh, I've known Joe for a while, really, since I started with the NCHC when he was the beat writer for Colorado College for the local paper here in town for the Colorado Springs Gazette. So yeah, like you said, Joe's a great reporter and, and we're happy to have him kind of back covering the NCHC. He's been to Media Day a couple times, I believe. I'm not sure if he was at the ones that have been at Excel, but when we used to hold it at Target Center, which is where our championship was uh, our first four years that we existed, uh, before moving to Excel, I know he was uh, at a couple of our media days. He flew up and, and flew back to Colorado in the same day. So uh, if, if you want if you want to send him, we'd uh, be happy to have him as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, a couple other things I want to talk about. I, I wanted I told you we wanted to break down a little bit some of the the teams and just talk about the eight teams in the conference. We'll do mm-hmm. that the second half here in about thirteen minutes or so. But um, first, let's talk about some NCHC.TV special pricing. Yeah, so uh, as we kind of been talking about, the season is, is coming up uh, less than uh, two months away, which is hard to believe. And uh, starting next week, we'll be offering our early bird pricing uh, for NCHTV subscriptions. So um, for any fans who don't have an NCHTV subscription yet but want to get access to watch almost every NCHC game this coming season, uh, we'll be offering, I think it's about a $10 discount from what the regular uh, regular season pricing will be. And it's over 140 games every every home conference game except for the handful that are on CBS Sports Network um, and also every home non-conference game. So really the only games that uh, are not available on NCHC TV are road non-conference games, and that's simply uh, a rights issue because the home team has the rights to stream and televise their games. Um, and then the handful of games on CBS Sports Network, usually in the second half of the season, um, they, they have the digital rights to those, and so we can't stream those, unfortunately. But uh, it's over 140 games. It also includes the NCHC quarterfinals, which will be a best-of-three series again this season. Um, and so it's a really great deal. I think it's $104 or $104.95. Um, so that'll be on sale starting next week and uh, run for about a month before the prices go up uh, as we get closer to the start of the season. So um, something for fans to definitely look out for there if they're trying to watch as much uh, hockey or NCHC hockey as they can. Well, I know my co-host, uh, who was uh, teaching from home, uh, he said he was teaching from home. He's been around 25 <laughs> years teaching, but I know he watched every game. He about wore it out. Uh, so if you had a problem with something on Long Island, that was it was coming from Paul Hornstein. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad he was able to enjoy it. As I kind of alluded to, I know a lot of fans uh, subscribe to watch the pod and were able to watch games kind of at work, like you said, during the day because we had games going on during the day, which – this time we won't we won't have those kind of middle of the day games be mostly Fridays and Saturdays like it's been in the past but uh, but lots of games available to to watch and um, you know in addition to watching on your computer we have mobile apps you can watch on your phone we have OTT apps on uh, Roku Apple TV Amazon Fire TV so uh, you can download the NCHC TV app on there and then if you have a subscription you can watch your live games right on your television, on your big screen. Um, so lots of ways to watch uh, NCHC TV on your phone if you're on the go, or if you're uh, sitting at home, you can watch it on your television. Well, let me attest to that, because if anybody's seen some of the pictures I've put out, when I'm at a game, and, and I'm not kidding you here, I have three phones and I have a <laughs> tablet, and I'm usually at a game live. So if I'm not at an NCHC game, you know that uh, my tablet has it or one of my phones has it. Um, 
we've we've expanded a little bit our coverage area. That everybody asked me to define the Southwest. I can't anymore because <laughs> <laughs> we go all through the South and the West and up the uh, up the coast. But uh, uh, not only NCHC, but uh, we also have Arizona State, and then of course we have uh, the ACHA teams and uh, the women's W W C H L. Uh, in club hockey. And then we got uh, all of the Pacific division now in AHL and we've got uh, about six teams in NHL coverage. So uh, we're growing, uh, getting bigger and better, but we love NCHC hockey. I think it's the best hockey out there. And uh, more than that, I, I like the professionalism and, you know, you've seen some of the tweets I put out and messages I sent you. Every time I travel, Michael, uh, it's that sweatsuit I throw on. <laughs> well, I, we appreciate you representing and uh, it looks I good. I it. So. I love it. Um, so anyway, uh, I was at the Frozen Faceoff in Grand Forks. It's returning, as you said, back to XL Center. But there's also more news coming from that end of it, isn't there? Yeah. So uh, we haven't really uh, kind of announced this officially publicly, but you know, people have kind of figured it out. And I know I think Brad Schlossman wrote a little story on it at the Grand Forks Herald. But uh, for our first, I guess, uh, seven years, we didn't hold it last year uh, because we kind of altered the tournament. But for the first seven years or six years, my, so we missed year there, six years, I guess, of the frozen face-off. Uh, we always held a third place game. So the losers of the two semifinals would play uh, on Saturday afternoon before the championship game and a third place game, which um, going back to the older college hockey days, I think all the conferences used to do that. I know the CCHA did, and I believe the WCHA did going back uh, a ways. So that used to be kind of the thing. And um, we always felt that was a nice way to guarantee um, fans of teams who traveled into town or traveled from out of town um, that they would get to see their team play at least twice or get to see their play, team play twice um, at Excel in St. Paul. So even if they lost the semifinals, they would at least have one more game the next day. Um, but uh, our coaches and uh, administrators felt like we probably didn't need that game anymore. Uh, I know our coaches didn't really want to play it. Even a lot of the players, I don't think, really wanted to play it because they felt like it didn't have a lot of points you know it didn't have a lot of meaning it was for third place so what does it really matter um and so we we are going to get rid of that game uh this coming year in 2022 which are our next tournament uh, and it will be replaced with a minnesota wild game uh so the minnesota wild will be hosting the chicago blackhawks uh that saturday afternoon of our championship game so uh i've got to look at my calendar here but i believe uh march 19th so the frozen face-off is march 18th and march 19th 2022 uh, this coming season. So the semifinals uh, will be on the 18th and then on the 19th in the afternoon will be the wild hosting the Blackhawks. Uh, and then that night will be our championship game. Like, uh, like we've had in the past. So uh, no more third place game. Instead we'll have an NHL game and we're still kind of working uh, with the wild and with Excel on what that means in terms of fans being able to get tickets to that wild game and how that would kind of work with their ticket packages for the frozen face off. But um, we think that fans will kind of enjoy that uh, opportunity to see, uh, you know, an NHL team uh, in person, maybe in place of a quote unquote less important third place game that, that teams don't necessarily really want to play. So, uh, you know, with, with a lot of where our teams are located, whether it's Minnesota, Duluth, St. Cloud State, North Dakota, maybe even Omaha to some extent, uh, we feel like there's a lot of probably wild fans in our fan base. And so, um, certainly seems like like a good fit there, and then this year just happens to be the Blackhawks, which certainly have a big fan base as well. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I think that's great. I also think it's great that you put them in the afternoon and you guys get the spotlight at night. That's the way to do it. 
<laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 a priority for us. I mean, we want to have the spotlight on us. It's also for television purposes. Uh, it'll be on right. CBS Sports Network and stuff. Uh, they can put it on TV, and um, it gives fans a little more time to to party if they don't want to go to the uh, the wild game beforehand. But uh, yeah, we we, we want to get the spotlight on on us uh, certainly on that night. But we're happy to to have the wild be a part of kind of our weekend, and they've obviously been nice enough to share their venue with us the last couple of years. So. Um, we're excited to kind of see how this this new, uh, I guess, schedule or format works out with with the Wild in town. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break here in a few minutes, and, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll kind of talk about the individual teams, all eight of them in the NCHC. But before we do that, uh, I think we have to talk about the two new coaches, and I think you might have some uh, changes coming up in staffing as well. Yeah, so I mean, we can uh, certainly touch. We do have two new coaches. One uh, was announced quite a while ago, uh, I guess earlier, late spring, early summer. Uh, Colorado College hired Chris Mayotte, uh, who had been an assistant coach at the University of Michigan prior to coming here. Uh, he was actually recently named uh, an assistant again on the U.S. national junior team for the 2022 team uh, that I'll be competing up in Edmonton uh, in Red Deer, Alberta. Uh, late December, early January. He was on the staff last year as well that won a gold medal with Team USA. I uh, uh, haven't had a chance to meet him myself personally, actually, but uh, heard a lot of great things. Let, looking let forward. me jump in on that one for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, go for it. We had him on the show. It took us three weeks to finally connect and get him on. <laughs> and uh, as I told him and told the audience, about halfway through the show, uh, I said, okay, Coach, if I was 35 years younger, I'm signing on the bottom line now. What a recruiter. What a personality. And, man, Colorado College hit a home run already, and they haven't uh, even taken to the ice in that new building yet. For sure. Well, and I, if you followed the NHL draft, Michigan had, I believe, uh, five guys go in the first round, four four in the top five picks, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just so, crazy. Uh, which uh, which, which uh, Chris uh, Mayotte certainly recruited a lot of those guys to Michigan because he was there the last couple of years. So, like you said, that, that gives you a little bit idea of, of the recruiting that he's doing and um, certainly seems like uh, he'll be a good fit for Colorado College. And, then, and the other uh, head coach was maybe a little bit more of a surprise and certainly much more uh, recent news just last week. Uh, Western Michigan, Andy Murray, who uh, was the second longest tenured coach in the NCHC behind uh, Minnesota Duluth, Scott Sandlin, uh, had been at Western for 10 years. So even prior to the NCHC, uh, stepped down. Uh, not quite sure if he called it a true retirement, but I guess retiring from Western Michigan. Uh, and they announced that Pat Fershweiler, who uh, is a former Bronco player and captain, um, and that was actually in his second stint uh, as an assistant coach uh, on the bench at Western Michigan, was promoted to head coach. Uh, Pat uh, was an assistant early on uh, in the NCH, I think our first season, maybe our second season, and was actually an assistant with uh, Coach Murray a couple of years at the end of the CCHA. Uh, and then he went to join uh, the Red Wing staff uh, and Jeff Blaschel, who was uh, also involved at Western Michigan, um, and uh, went to work with him at the Red Wings for a little bit and then came back to Western Michigan. And um, now he's head coach. So certainly uh, Pat Fershweiler knows the Bronco program as a, as a player alum and as an assistant coach. So I, I'm assuming that'll be a pretty smooth transition. It was probably a, a no-brainer of a bit for them when they got the late news. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of late in the season to lose your head coach. So. Um, I, I'm thinking that'll be a good fit and, and hopefully a smooth transition for them there. So we're uh, excited to have those those two two guys uh, as new bench bosses in, in the league. Um, and then you, you alluded to some of our staff will be announcing later this week. But uh, yeah, we're, we're a very small staff in our office. We're only uh, three people full time 
Uh, we do have a fourth uh, director of officiating who's an independent contractor, but three people full-time in our office uh, for the last eight years. And um, we're one of those people is leaving, not myself. Uh, um, I'll still be there, but coming on my forehead. Thank you. Uh, uh, so we're actually bringing in a, a new person as well. Um, that'll be not quite a, a like for like replacement, but a little more focused on uh, external uh, content creation. So the, the title of the uh, position is uh, digital content and creative services coordinator. So um, there'll be a lot of video creation and graphic creation. So just kind of adding to what we've been doing on social media, um, try to do doing more, doing better, um, things like that. So we're excited to, to bring the new person uh, on board and we'll be announcing that uh, here at the end of this week. So uh, something uh, else for fans to look forward to and hopefully some more content uh, that fans can enjoy once we get this new person up and running. Well, let me tell you this. You're going to need uh, more content because you send so many players now to the NHL. And I know we're <laughs> going to talk about the draft and, uh, and the World Junior Summer Showcase uh, in, in a few minutes after uh, we take a quick break. But um, I can see where that's happening because there are so many NCHC players that are moving on to the NHL, not just moving on to the NHL, but starting in the NHL, winning Stanley Cups, all kinds of stuff like that. So congratulations on all the success so far. Um, let's take a quick break, Michael, and let's come back in a couple of minutes and, and let's dig into uh, that NHL draft, the uh, World Junior Summer Showcase, and uh, we'll start breaking down some of those teams in the NCHC in about three minutes. Let's do it. Thrilled to have you with us. The nation's top teams. America's number one conference is back. See every play, every hit, every goal. NCHC.TV, your home for more than 100 live games. Stream anywhere from the start of the season leading up to the frozen face-off. If it's NCHC hockey, it's on NCHC.TV. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom phil kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates. You can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. At the 
heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. You're listening to College Hockey Southwest Weekly. All right, welcome back in, hockey fans, specifically NCAA hockey fans. This is College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona tonight, where it's uh, about the thunderstorm on us, and we'll get a little monsoon action. My co-host, Paul Hornstein, uh, taking a little Jimmy Buffett concert in with the sun tonight, and we're thrilled for that. Paul gets a night off. Uh, it does so much hard work for us, so... I reached out. I got the director of communications from the NCHC, Michael Weissman, to uh, graciously join me tonight. And Michael, you made it through halfway. Good job. Now we uh, now we start having some fun. Yeah, glad. It, I mean, <laughs> we, don't, we don't really have halftime in hockey, I guess. But I guess we're we're heading into the middle of the second period, end of the second period, I guess, something to that extent. Exactly. And I know what this is going to cost me. It's going to cost me a trip to. Uh, what's the name of that place? The Golden... The Golden Bee. The Golden Bee, yeah. That's right. You got yeah. to get your bee stickers. <laughs> I got them on my tablet. I actually took them there off my go. shirt, put them on there. Uh, folks, if you don't know what that is, we'll explain sometime later on. <laughs> go check All out right. Scott's uh, Twitter page. He's got, he's got photos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so um, uh, let, let's talk right now about the NHL draft and just how many uh, of your players, and I say the NCHC players, um, went in the draft and went high in the draft. But pretty exciting news for a lot of teams uh, in the NCHC, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit about the, the high draft picks Michigan had. We didn't have any first-rounders, but uh, plenty of second, third-rounders is an onward. We ended up having eight incoming freshmen, uh, NCHC freshmen drafted uh, in July, as well as uh, one of our rising sophomores, actually, Connor Kelly, a defenseman at Minnesota Duluth, uh, was taken in the seventh round by the Blackhawks. So he was our only kind of current player drafted uh, a couple weeks ago, but uh, eight incoming freshmen, including uh, three guys in the second round. Uh, Denver kind of had that run like Michigan had in that first round. Denver kind of had that little bit of a run there in the second and third round with uh, two guys going in the second round and, and another guy going in the third round. Uh, Shai Buim and, and Sean Barons are both uh, high-end defensemen uh, who should make an impact for the Pioneers. And then Carter Mazur, uh, as a forward, went in the third round uh, to the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, they were also at the uh, World Junior Summer Showcase uh, with Team USA. Uh, over in Plymouth, Michigan. I guess that was about a week or two ago now. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a good uh, experience for those guys. You know, unfortunately, the draft was held virtually again. So uh, those guys, you know, couldn't be there in person to hear their name called. But, um, uh, you know, hopefully they were able to enjoy it with their families. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to seeing uh, all eight or, or nine with, with Connor Kelly uh, on the ice this coming season. Well, and I'll also interject from the Southwest, uh, Josh Doan, at, uh, fr incoming freshman at Arizona State, went number 37 to the Arizona Coyotes, kind of following in his dad's footsteps. And we had Josh on the show uh, a month ago or so just before the draft. And um, uh, what a great kid. But, uh, you know, he was he was so honest. Uh, I asked him, I said, you know, your dad, Shane Doan, works with the Canadian Olympic team. And, 
and I said, <laughs> and with the with the uh, everything that goes on in Canada hockey, and he said, "Hey, I was born in the U.S." He said, "My <laughs> sisters and my mom were all U.S. citizens." He said, "I'm going for the red, white, and blue." And of course, he was at the showcase as well. So, right, right. Uh, he he said it would be really tough if he makes that roster for Team USA, though, because. Grandpa and Grandma are uh, diehard Canadian fans and live <laughs> just a little ways from from uh, from Canada, so or from Edmonton, I should say. So um, it's going to be interesting if that does in fact happen. But uh, lots of good things. One other thing, and and this is again um, a little kudos to the NCHC and just how good it is. But uh, Jake Lovanovich, who is the uh, half brother of Johnny Walker at Arizona State, uh, announced his verbal commitment to go to North Dakota in oh, a couple wow. of years. And when I heard that, I said, Arizona hockey is starting to make a run now because five years ago, three years ago, maybe two years ago, you would not have heard of an Arizona kid getting a scholarship offer from the university of North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely, I mean, you look at Austin Matthews and all the success he's had, I think he may have been kind of the first one to really blossom out of uh, the state, but yeah, it's great to see the, the talent coming out of there and, uh, you know, it's great to see Arizona State continuing to develop NHL players. I know uh, they had a goalie that was taken by the Kraken in the expansion draft and Joey Decord and have uh, had some other guys go on uh, to the NHL. And, and like you mentioned, have had some uh, guys get drafted uh, earlier in their careers. So um, it's great to see what they're doing. And obviously the new arena is only going to add to that and I think help continue to grow hockey in the Southwest. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen my stuff on that, but the first week of every month, Michael, I go to the uh, sixth floor the, of the, the parking, parking garage, garage, right? Yeah, I have, yeah, yeah, I've been following. <laughs> and uh, it, it's right on track. I mean, it's six months in now, and uh, they're projected for August, so that would be twelve. Uh, be an 18-month build, and that's pretty much what everybody's after unless you're uh, – Bill Foley and you build stuff in uh, in Vegas, then you get it done sooner. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it seems like it seems like they're making good good progress and, and coming along. So yeah, keep the updates coming. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody's excited about that. But um, NCHC hockey, uh, we talk about it all the time, and one of the reasons that I thought it was important for us to uh, get involved uh, with you guys is just because of the excellence um, on and off the ice. The players demonstrate it. Um, I've seen so many of your players on and off the ice in summertime, different places, and the, the character that goes along. And when you talk to all eight of your coaches, and I haven't had a chance to talk to a few of them, but um, it seems like that's protocol. That's just the way it is, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, it starts at the top, and we have uh, some very professional coaches, some coaches who've been around a long time. Um, some coaches certainly know what they're doing. They've coached at the NHL level, at the college level, um, the junior level. And so, yeah, they, they all, I think, expect uh, excellent from their, their players, their student athletes. And, um, you know, they expect it of their staffs. And um, I think it's just a trickle down. And, and, you know, you alluded to the excellence. I mean, you know, myself and Josh, our commissioner, you know, we're, we sit in a conference office here in Colorado. So there's only so much we can do. I mean, it's, it's the, the schools making their commitment to their hockey programs and investing in their hockey programs and, um, you know, getting out and the coaches uh, recruiting those players and getting those top level players and the, the top junior players in the country and even into Canada and getting them to come play. And then that ultimately leads to success on the ice, right. And winning championships. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's just kind of, a, it's uh, breeded success and breeded that uh, excellence as you kind of called it. And so it, it is kind of become this expectation. And um, now I think all our teams, you know, want to be a part of that and, and have to kind of live up to that standard. 
And and the other thing is they're they're not just good athletes, good hockey players. They're really good students. And uh, from my end of it, every one of the players that we've had a chance to visit with have just been very well spoken. So something's going on where you're able to, and the coaches and the programs are able to. Uh, and and maybe it starts at media day. I don't know. But um, the the players are are ready and willing to talk to the media. And it's not like um, yes no answers. I mean they they give you stuff. That, that you ask, right? You ask a question and they'll give you a little depth. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, we, we're uh, happy that, that we have uh, student athletes that are good at speaking with the media. I mean, I, you know, I wish we could take credit for that. I, you know, hopefully that comes from either ex- experiences, <laughs> they've had, experiences they've had, you know, traveling with uh, international teams or, or even in juniors. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it all comes from, um, you know, developing leaders and developing, um, you know, well-rounded people more than just, being hockey players or even more than just academics, but, um, you know, being able to, to be a leader and being able to speak fluently and uh, speak well about yourself and your teammates and your team. And so, you know, over time, you know, sometimes freshmen maybe are a little more shy and don't uh, give as thorough of answers as, you know, a junior or senior would. And I think that's something that, that can be learned as, uh, over time. And as you see your teammates do interviews, you kind of learn what what's okay to be said and what's not okay to be said. And so, um, yeah, there, there's definitely something to that. And uh, to your academic uh, point, we had uh, our most ever uh, academic all-conference team and distinguished scholar-athletes uh, this past year, I believe. So that was uh, a nice little uh, feather in our cap as well for academic achievement there. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, let's um, let's break it down by teams. Here's how I want to do it. We'll start from last year's standing. So obviously uh, the North Dakota Fighting Hawks um, – we're, uh, we're in with 54 points last year and 24 games played. So let's start right there. Uh, they had a lot of talent last year. We mentioned the, uh, the five-overtime game that they lost in the, uh, in the uh, regional tournament of the NCAA tournament. But they won the frozen faceoff. They won the regular season um, a cup, uh, Penrose Cup, right? Yep. They're the two, okay. they've, won the last, they've won the last two Penrose Cups. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and then so, the Frozen Faceoff was their first ever Frozen Faceoff title. So so what do we expect from the uh, the Fighting Hawks this year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you said, they were extremely talented, uh, number one in the country most of the season last year in terms of the rankings. Uh, they, they lost a lot. There's no, no doubt about it. Uh, I think they would tell you that. Um, you know, guys like Shane Pinto, who was our, our player of the year, uh, signed with the Ottawa Senators. Jacob Bernard Docker, our defensive defenseman of the year. Uh, also signed with the Senators. Um, they had uh, a handful of other guys, Jordan Kawaguchi, uh, Matt Kearsed, who were who were seniors uh, that, you know, decided to, you know, with this uh, NCAA eligibility, they, you know, in theory could have come back for an extra year, but they both uh, signed pro contracts. So um, there's a lot of talent that, that left North Dakota for sure. And, um, you know, I know they brought in a large uh, class, uh, kind of a mix of freshmen and some transfers that they've, they've brought in from some different schools. So, um, you know, it may take them a little bit of time to, to get going, but um, I'm sure they'll be right towards the top and, and strong as ever. I mean, um, you know, they, they replenish quickly and uh, I'm, sure <laughs> Brad Barry, I'm sure Brad Berry and uh, his staff will, will have them going. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they mix in uh, a lot of these new guys with uh, some of their veterans that are, that are coming back. You know, and that's something I've seen with North Dakota uh, for years, uh, Michael, is that um, they, they start a little slow, but by Christmas time, they get on a roll and they build it and they crescendo tournament time almost every year. So last year, I thought it was a little bit of an anomaly. They uh, they kind of led from start to finish, but 
maybe that has something to do with the pod. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I expect them to be up near the top. Uh, okay, so let's move over to St. Cloud State. Uh, I have already seen some preseason rankings, which have them number one, number two, right up near the top. Yeah, I mean, they uh, made it all the way to the national championship game last year. It was their first ever national championship game in program history, at least at the Division One level. So, um, you know, and they return almost their entire team uh, from that. I believe even the seniors uh, that, um, you know, would have graduated. I believe most of them have chosen to use that extra fifth year of eligibility to come back and stay at St. Cloud. So um, I believe someone like an Easton Bradzinski, who unfortunately got hurt uh, there in the NCAA tournament, had to miss the Frozen Four. I believe he's planning on coming back. Kevin Fitzgerald, who was one of their captains last year, I believe will be back. So, um, you know, they got they return uh, a, a lot of talent and um, pretty much their whole roster. So, yeah, I think they'll be certainly a, a preseason favorite in the NCHC and probably nationally towards the top of the polls. Okay, and one of the teams that finished third but was in a real dogfight with St. Cloud State last year was uh, the University of Minnesota Duluth, where the Bulldogs um, are always near the top. But what a dogfight that was, actually, between Omaha, Minnesota, Duluth, and St. Cloud State. So uh, what do you expect from the Bulldogs? I know they had some uh, a pretty good recruiting class coming in as well. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a tight race, like you said. And then they made their four straight Frozen Four last season, which is uh, quite an accomplishment. They came up a little short of, of going for the, the three-peat there. But um, they do always seem to be uh, at the top of the standings. Uh, it is interesting that they're still looking for their first Penrose Cup, though. They've... Uh, they've won the frozen faceoff a couple times, but haven't, haven't quite seemed to be at the top of the standings at the end of the season. So I know that's something they'll be looking for for sure. And yeah, they, I think, uh, they, they definitely have a, a mix of, of talented players coming back, but also lost some guys. I know Nick Sweeney, who was a senior signed with the wild and, uh, Jackson Cates, who was a junior, uh, signed as, uh, a free agent with the flyers. Uh, ironically, his brother, Noah Cates was actually a draft pick of the flyers. I believe is planning to come back. Uh, for his senior season, who was their captain last season. So I believe he'll be their captain again uh, this coming season. So they have Noah Cates kind of to, as their center and captain. Uh, Wyatt Kaiser was a, a all-rookie team defenseman uh, who shoe back. And we mentioned Connor Kelly, who was uh, drafted. He'll be a sophomore defenseman. So uh, I think the Bulldogs will be, be good. They, they certainly lost a little bit of their offensive uh, talent. But I do think some of their other seniors, uh, Kobe Roth, Kobe Bender, are coming back, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, should should have some some talent and depth there in Duluth as they usually do. Okay, and just uh, down the uh, the interstate, down thirty five, I guess to Omaha. Um, Omaha is it was surprisingly, um, I think, a better team than a lot of people expected last year, and I think they got better as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, they uh, they always seem to play. They always seem to rise to the occasion. I guess is maybe the best way to say it. I think they beat North Dakota a couple times last year. Um, which was, was no easy feat. And yeah, you know, I, I think Mike Gavin has done a great job kind of de- uh, building that program over the last couple of years and bringing in players that really fit their culture. And they really play, you know, in my opinion, a true team, a team game. You know, I don't know that they have a ton of standout stars or anything like that, but, you know, they can roll several lines and they play a hard uh, physical game, but they've got a mix of speed. You know, Isaiah Seville will be back in goal as a junior uh, as their goaltender. So, you know, he'll be back there to kind of anchor them. So, uh, I'm excited to see uh, where Omaha goes. But, yeah, I mean, they made the NCAA tournament, as we, we kind of talked about, uh, up in the West Regional. So uh, I'm sure they'll be anxious to kind of make, uh, make it back there and maybe make some more waves than they did last season. Okay, and then I thought that the team last year that, that probably had the toughest luck of all 
Um, and I'm not talking about Colorado College because that's a whole completely another story. But, <laughs> yeah, that was but the Denver issues. Pioneers, um, when I talked to Coach uh, Carl before the start of the pod and I said, have you looked at your schedule? And he said, oh, yeah, I have. And I said, uh, it's going to be really a battle night in and night out. Not that, not that the entire conference is not, but who they faced off against the first three or four games um, seemed to me like that was really, if not the toughest, one of the toughest roads. And one of the things Coach Carl acknowledged was the, lot, the lack of not having a preseason, if you will, or non-conference games in advance kind of kind of set them behind the eight ball. He said, we look at them to get better and obviously to win games and strengthen our, our, our record and not to have them. I think it hurt them more than anybody. Yeah. And I think the record was, was kind of misleading, especially with the way, you know, we changed the overtime rules and now three on three overtime wins count as a full win and a full loss in your overall record. Um, you know, the, their overall record, I think showed they were under 500, but they had, I believe three or four, uh, overtime losses. And so, you know, if you were to, in theory, count those as, as ties, um, they were right around 500. And yeah, you're, you're right. They got off to a tough start. Um, they had some tough games against North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth uh, in their first four or five games in the pod. And, um, you know, it felt like they were maybe always kind of chasing to get back to that 500 mark. And, um, you know, they, they, they were up and down. They certainly have some talent on their team, no doubt about it. Uh, Bobby Brink uh, maybe had a little bit of a by his standards, disappointing year after a really strong freshman season. And so uh, he was on the U.S. national junior team last year. And uh, I'm not sure if maybe that, you know, perhaps took took it out of my notes, sometimes takes it out of certain guys when they come back. So I'm sure he'll be looking for, for a bounce back year. Um, and I know they've got their uh, goaltender back in Magnus Crona, who will be a junior for Denver. So um, and I already talked about the strong draft class that, that Coach Carl's bringing in. Uh, with some uh, three guys that were drafted in either the second or third round in the NHL draft. So uh, really kind of, you know, loading up a couple guys on the blue line, bringing in some some talented forwards. So uh, I, I think you'll see Denver more of a, a bounce back year uh, towards the top like they usually are this season. Okay, then we get to Western Michigan, who uh, now has a new coach. I use that in air quotes because he's not really new. <laughs> he knows that program really well, but he's going to be the guy in charge right now. And um when we think Michigan NCAA hockey, and, and every time I, I bring this up, because uh, being from Minnesota as I am, of course, everybody wants to talk about the six teams in Minnesota, but there's more than that in, in Michigan, and Western Michigan is one of them. So what do you expect out of Western Michigan? Yeah, there's uh, seven teams if you count the three in the UP, uh, which is certainly a part of Michigan. So, yeah, they, they do have seven Division One men's teams, as you said. But uh, Western Michigan uh, is a team I really think that that's you know really could compete towards the top of the NCHC. I know I've said that about a lot of teams, but they're a team like St. Cloud State that's bringing back pretty much their entire roster uh, from last season. You know, they're another team that got off to a really tough start in the pod. Brandon Bussey, their starting goalie, uh, got injured, I think, first period, like first 10 minutes of, of their season opener uh, and was really out for the rest of the regular season. I think he may have come back for the frozen faceoff, but um, really that that hurt them. And um, you know, they, they, again, kind of got behind the eight ball and, and struggled out of the gate in the pod. And, um, you know, towards the end of the season, they were, they were a team to be reckoned with and, and took Minnesota Duluth in overtime in the frozen faceoff quarterfinals. But, uh, yeah, with Bussy back healthy and goal, and then I believe all their seniors are coming back. Paul Washi was their captain last year. I think he's back. Ethan Frank, um, who I believe was honorable mention all in CHC last season, but, uh, certainly is one of the most elite scorers in the NCH. He's got a, a rifle for a shot. 
Um, so, you know, they're, they're going to be talented offensively. Uh, Ronnie added was the offensive defenseman of the year in the NCHC as a sophomore last season. He's back uh, as a junior. So um, even though they have a new coach, like I said, I think it'll be a pretty smooth transition with uh, Pat Fershweiler on the bench, uh, you know, last season, the last couple seasons. And so uh, shouldn't really be too much of a transition there. And uh, with their whole team back, I, I see Western uh, probably moving up in the standings a little bit. Okay, then we get to Colorado College, who uh, has all kinds of new stuff, new toys to play <laughs> with, a new head coach, a new building. They're leaving your neck of the woods for a little bit and just going to go back up on campus. But uh, as I mentioned, when we had Chris Mayotte on, he just raved about the fact that um, that building was going to be such a tool for him uh, recruiting and for his students. He said, you know, his students can be uh, from their beds, basically, on campus into the building in seven minutes which is, yeah, is it's unheard uh, of for a team that uh, used to have to travel across Colorado Springs. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't toured it in a while, but I took a tour a handful of months ago and yeah, the, uh, one of the assistant coaches, at least at the time pointed out that, yeah, the dorm basically across the street houses some of the hockey players. And so they can pretty much roll out of bed, cross the street and, and they're at the facility. And um, I've seen some pictures and uh, I'm hoping to get a tour pretty soon, but it looks definitely like a, a state-of-the-art facility, so I'm sure Coach Mad is excited to, you know, get get guys in there and get recruits in there and show them, uh, you know, all the training facilities and, and the locker room and everything that uh, they'll have to offer there. Uh, certainly, it's going to be a bit of a rebuilding uh, year for CC. Um, they lost uh, quite a few of their guys, uh, whether it was to transfer, turning pro. I know uh, Grant Crookshank, who was their captain and top scorer last year, uh, transferred for his senior year, I believe, to Wisconsin, I want to say, or was it Minnesota? Minnesota, Minnesota. yeah. Minnesota. yeah. I don't know remember. if mom and dad were happy about that. I was going to say, he's was... a Wisconsin native, so I think that's maybe what I was thinking there. And then uh, Ben Copeland, who was another one of their top scorers, uh, who would or will be a senior this year, transferred to Penn State. Uh, Josiah Slavin, who is actually the younger brother of Jacob Slavin, uh, Lady Bing uh, Trophy winner, who was also a CC defenseman. Uh, Josiah turned pro and signed with the Blackhawks. So, um, you know, they, they lost a lot of their, their top end guys, um, CC did. And so um, I know they brought in a really large class. I want to say 12 or 13 guys, along with some transfers. I know they have a transfer from Boston College, I believe one from Omaha, uh, staying in the NCHC. And um, I know Chris uh, got some of his guys in. I'm sure he'll continue to uh, get his guys in uh, in the next couple of years to really build that program back up. But um, they do have both their goalies back, uh, Matt Vernon, who was really strong on the frozen faceoff, and uh, Dominic Bassey um, should be uh, should be strong as well. So uh, they at least have some goaltending they can build off of, and uh, we'll see what uh, Coach Matt can do in their first season at Robeson Arena. You know, and, and I told him this. I said, it reminds me kind of what Coach Powers did at Arizona State in his transition year. Um, from ACHA to uh, NCAA is that uh, he he built on goaltending, was big, strong, and old, as he told me, and uh, that's how he got by. And I think Chris is going to try to do the same thing, just shut the door and then try to win some close hockey games and, and get better all season long. So who knows, by uh, frozen faceoff time, the Tigers could be right there. That, that's right. And as you said, I mean, I don't think there's any easy games that, you know, just just because you're bringing in new players, they're, uh, they're going to be high end players. And so it's, it's going to be tough games, uh, you know, no matter who CC's playing for sure. Okay. And last but not least, uh, Miami, tell us about Miami. You're familiar with that. Uh, yeah. how good is Miami going to be this year? Yeah, that's, that's my old stomping grounds. Uh, I am an Oxford native and, and used to work at Miami before I uh, took this job. So, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Miami uh, a little bit in CC, similar to CC in terms of just kind of still rebuilding. Uh, Coach Bergeron, I believe, going into his third season now at Miami. Um, so starting to get more of his guys in there. Uh, again, kind of building out of the back. They had uh, Ludwig Pearson in goal last season, who was a freshman, who was really a, a standout, maybe a little bit of a surprise star of the pod. Uh, with a couple shutouts, ended up uh, being a unanimous pick to our all-rookie team and was even the second-team all-NCHC goalie. So uh, considering Miami finished in last place in the conference, but their goalie was second-team all-NCHC, you know, got to think that's uh, that some, something, something. something they can at least build on there. Um, you know, they've got uh, – they had a guy, um, I should say, a player in Red Savage uh, who was drafted by the Red Wings. Uh, so Red Savage drafted by the Red Wings going to play for the Yeah, we, we claim him from Arizona too, by the way. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> he's Scottsdale. Well, he's, he's got yeah, the he whole was, family. He was born here. <laughs> he's got the whole family connection. For those who don't know, his, his dad was Brian Savage, who was a longtime NHLer, with, played, uh, I believe, with the Coyotes for a little while. And, uh, we played at Miami with with Chris Bergeron back in the 90s. Um, and so uh, Red's older brother, Ryan, is actually, I believe, going to be a junior at Miami this coming season, and Red will be uh, an incoming freshman. So uh, kind of keeping the, the Savage family ties strong there at Miami with uh, Ryan and now Red coming in. And, yeah, Red had a, a good season with the U.S. Uh, junior program and was at the World Junior Summer Showcase and, and like I said, was drafted. So um, I think Coach Bergeron is, is bringing in some guys and, um, hopefully they'll be able to take some some steps in the right direction and start moving up the standings as well. Well, we got through all eight of them. We still got a couple minutes left. So, um, first of all, how was your summer? I didn't even ask you that. <laughs> uh, it was it was uh, too short, but I feel like it's always too short. So, uh, no, it was good. Uh, I I got away a little bit towards the end of May uh, with some friends to the beach, which was kind of my first uh, post pandemic uh, vacation, which was nice and. Uh, actually got home to Oxford in July to see some family and friends uh, for a little while. So uh, biked and walked around the Miami campus a little bit and uh, drove by the Goggin Ice Center. But uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, tried to relax and kind of recharge the batteries and uh, enjoy the Colorado sunshine and, and mountains while I can. Uh, I play a lot of ultimate Frisbee. So uh, doing that in the summer and yeah, just enjoying the the weather and, and uh, living in Colorado, you got to enjoy the mountains a little bit. So trying to get out there and do a little hiking and, and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, last but certainly not least, uh, tell us about Josh Fenton because I've had a chance to interview him a couple of times last year. And um, what a great guy. But how devoted is it is, is Josh Fenton to uh, making NCHC not only the best conference but continuing to grow it? At the same time, uh, tell us about Josh and what it's like to work with a, a guy that's that professional and that strongly uh, in favor of what he does. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. He, his leadership uh, is incredible. He is uh, really the ultimate professional and, and truly dedicated to the NCHC, uh, maybe more so than, than anyone, really, uh, which, you know, some may say that's the way it should be, but that's, that's what you want in your commissioner. And some of his, uh, you know, vision and some of the things he sees and, and what he wants um, you know, have certainly helped make the NCHC what it is. I mean, NCHC TV is uh, a perfect example. I mean, that, that was kind of his brainchild of, you know, we want to create our own digital network and showcase our own games and do our own things and brand it. And, you know, we've built that over the last six, seven years um, from, you know, really nothing to, to what it is now where we have apps on uh, OTT devices and mobile apps. And that was really all his vision. And, and the pod even was, was really his vision. I mean, um, you know, that started on a, a little napkin and he scribbled some ideas down. And, you know, I, when I, he first brought it up, I thought, 
he was kind of crazy and there was no, no chance that, that, that you know, we're going to do what the NHL is doing. But um, like you said, his dedication, his organization, I mean, he's certainly one of the most organized people um, I've met. I've learned a lot of organizational skills and, you know, people skills and how to handle people. And um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's very on top of everything. There's very few things that, um, you know, get by him and uh, he knows exactly you know, what he wants to see in the NCHC and where he wants his heading. And some of that relates to some of the staffing changes that we've talked about and kind of a heavier focus on external and fan engagement and making sure our fans have a good experience and our student athletes have a great experience when they go to our championship at the frozen face-off and at media day and just, you know, playing in the NCHC. And so, um, yeah, he's been great to work with. I worked with Josh at Miami actually, which is partly how I got this job. Um, so he was the, uh, uh, associate AD or senior associate AD and sport administrator for ice hockey at Miami, which is where I kind of first started working with him and got to know him a little bit. And then obviously once he took the job out here, I, I kind of followed him out here. So uh, we've known each other for gosh, uh, going on 11, 12 years now. Um, so it's been, it's been uh, great working for him. Great to get to know his family. Uh, his wife, Lindsay is, is awesome. He's got three uh, boys who I guess maybe aren't as young as they were when I uh, first started working. <laughs> we all get one, old, one, buddy. We one, all one, get old. One of them wasn't even alive at the time. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's been, it's been great getting to know uh, his family and uh, getting to see his kids grow up as well. But, but professionally, yeah, he's, he's great to work with. And uh, certainly I can't imagine anyone else kind of running the NCHC and getting us to, to where we are today. Okay. I'm going to close it out on this. Uh, at the start of the pandemic, um, I had a lot of people, a lot of hockey people tell me, uh, this is going to be tough on college hockey. It's going to really hurt them. And uh, don't, don't expect um, big things coming out of it. And I kind of raised some eyebrows because I'm going like, why? why? Why would it affect? And, and we saw a few teams struggle, but I think they would have struggled pandemic or not. Um, and then we started looking at some teams coming in. LIU jumped in. Now we hear Augustana's coming down the road, and we hear Lindenwood's coming down the road. So uh, NCAA college hockey didn't really suffer through the pandemic. But my point being is when I look at the conferences, and, and uh, Coach Saratori, who I talk a lot to over at Air Force, said the same thing. He said, you know, whether it's 60, 62, 3, 4, however many teams it is, uh, we need to become a tighter group. And one thing that I love about the NCHC is that you guys are a tight-knit group. I mean, everybody falls in line, if, if, if that's a, a word I can use or a phrase I can use. But uh, it's not that they fall in line because they're forced to. They fall in line because they want to. And I think that starts with both uh, Josh and yourself in uh, being as organized as you are. So Thank you for uh, for coming on and, and filling in for Paul tonight. Uh, I'll tell him that he probably is going to lose his job now, and you'll be back weekly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope, I hope he's had a few uh, margaritas in Margaritaville and, and whatnot. He's, as you said, he, he deserves a night off. So happy to happy to fill in. Thanks for thinking of me, and hopefully, uh, I, I filled in okay in his his position. I think his job is safe. I don't. I'm not trying to <laughs> to take his job or switch jobs or anything like that. So happy to come on as a guest, but I'll leave the hosting uh, duties to, to uh, you and Paul. I uh, love it, and uh, I will see you very soon because I'm going to get through Colorado here real quick and uh, definitely be up to. Uh, to the uh, media day because that's an event that I've been looking forward to for a few years now since uh, we, we weren't able to do it other than virtually last year. But always nice to meet people face-to-face. And, and, you know, I just think you can formulate so much more opinions from face-to-face stuff. So yeah, looking it's, it's, forward to all that. 
Yeah, it's, it's great. Our coaches, uh, I know, enjoy it. Uh, definitely get better answers from them at something like that than you would, on, like you said, on a Zoom or, or something like a generic press conference. So um, it, Absolutely. It's, it's a good, good kickoff to the season for sure. All right, Michael, give me, give me some more stuff on that, uh, that new uh, TV package because we want to tell everybody about it. Everybody down here has been asking me about NCHC TV and how they get involved with it, and uh, I send them your way. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as I said, we'll have a press release coming out uh, early next week, and we're working on a new promo spot. So uh, we'll get that to you that you can uh, play and promote to everyone, and uh, hopefully everyone subscribes and, and enjoys the games. All right. Sounds great. Michael Weissman, the director of communications with NCHC, joining me tonight for the entire show. We really appreciate it. Have a great night. Stay safe. And I'll see you very soon in the Springs. All right. Thanks for having me, Scott. Appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words. Absolutely. Okay. We will wrap up this episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly by uh, thanking everybody for tuning in. Again, a big thanks to Michael Weissman with the NCHC for joining me and helping me out tonight. Uh, our also thanks to my uh, co-host, Paul Hornstein, who I know is joining a little Jimmy Buffett uh, with his son. So anytime you can get out with your 16-year-old son and enjoy Jimmy Buffett, you got to do it. So, um, you know, thanks to our sponsors, NCHC, M-Drive, Summer Skates, UNLV, Roger Klein, uh, Can't See Own Tequila, our friends at Oxypal, the uh, um, Behind the Mask, all of our friends, Burrito Express. It just goes on and on and on, and we still have room on the bandwagon, so if you want to jump on, um, we are ready for you. We'll say goodnight with a little uh, Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro. Good night, everybody. <laughs>